Hello and welcome to the Mindful Commerce Podcast, a place where we talk to e-commerce brands, service providers and developers who care about protecting our planet. I'm Chrissy, And I'm Rich and we're your hosts. The podcast is an extension of the Mindful Commerce community. The Mindful Commerce community is a safe place for e-commerce brands and experts to connect, collaborate and explore opportunities to work together to unleash the power of e-commerce as a force for good. You can join by going to mindfulcommerce.io and clicking community. See you there. Welcome to a brand new series on the Mindful Commerce podcast. We're going to be bringing you our expert training series from the community platform over to the podcast. So we're going to upload any expert trainings that are inside the community in our expert training library, um, where we feature various different e-commerce and sustainability experts who bring their knowledge, expertise for you to grow your business in the most mindful way possible. Um, So if you do enjoy this and listening to this series, you will definitely enjoy the benefits of being inside the community itself, where you can watch each individual training um, and see the actual people who deliver it, um, because they'll be on video and also their slide decks as well. So that's quite useful. Um, Cool. Thank you. Hope you enjoy. Please leave a review and I'll see you soon. Hello, hello everyone. Thank you for joining us today for our live training with Jean from Spark and Bloom. It is my pleasure to introduce a very beloved member of the Mindful Commerce community. She's near and dear to us as a person, but also as a professional. We love to support her because she does more than talk the talk. Among other things, she's part of 1% for the planet and she offsets the carbon footprint of her business which is Spark and Bloom, a design studio that specializes in helping ethical entrepreneurs make sure their impact is seen. Through careful strategy and market research, Spark and Bloom designs beautiful brand identities which fit business goals with and resonates with the right people. We're excited for our community to have the opportunity today to hear from Jean and to witness her talent as she discusses the topic of ethical branding. She's truly just the person for this, so you're all in for a treat. Jean, how are you? We're so happy to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and thank you for this lovely presentation. Uh, Yeah, I'm really excited. (laughs) So yeah, thank you for having me here. Uh, We're going to do real quick a little bit of bookkeeping. So before we start, uh, write down any questions that you have. We're going to have some Q&A time at the end. And if you have any aha moments, please Take a screenshot or a photo and don't hesitate to share it and type Mindful Commerce and Spark and Bloom Studio. Uh, so yeah, Aisha did a great presentation, uh, but I guess I'll reiterate. Uh, I'm Jean from Spark and Bloom, a mindful brand design and illustration studio. I really believe that design has an impact on individuals, community, and earth. And that's why, thanks to a thoughtful and collaborative process, I help ethical businesses make their positive impact seen. And that's also why ethical branding is really important to me uh, so that we can do good into the world. So today we're going to talk about uh, three things. First, we're going to talk about what is branding and why it's important to make sure we're on the same page and we're talking about the same thing. And then what specifically is an ethical brand and why you should be one. 
And finally, uh, I'll share with you a lot of actionable tips and ideas. So here we go. What is branding and why it's important for a business? This is a fantastic quote from uh, Maya Angelou uh, that says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And really, that's what branding is. Uh, branding is a little bit of something abstract uh, because this is the feeling that people get when they come into contact with your business. It's an experience. The competition is real out there and uh, consumers are faced with an infinite amount of choices, especially during the pandemic. Uh, everybody turned to the online world, so it really broadened our spectrum um, in terms of, yeah, of choices. And so a fantastic way to distinguish yourself is to use branded, branding because it's really going to help create an emotional connection with your consumer and create that long-term relationship. Uh, and ultimately, branding really, um, the, the way your brand is perceived really affects the success of a brand, of a business. Um, so here, how it works. Uh, branding really helps to... Uh, people to navigate because you're going to stand out, you're they're going to be able to recognize you and remember you. And once that is done, they're, they're going to be more ready to engage with you. Um, and finally, once they engage, uh, really it helps people to be reassured that they know that they can trust you. And this is how branding works. Just a few numbers to uh, really showcase the importance of branding. 89% um, of B2B marketers say that brand awareness is the most important goal, followed by sales and lead generation. 77% of B2B marketing leaders say that branding is critical to growth. And 95% of purchasing decisions are driven by emotion and the subconscious mind. And this is why, uh, yeah, creating this emotional connection with your audience is so important. Uh, just one, one last one that I think really drives the point home. Um, according to Millward Brown's brand, uh, MSCI World Index, so an increase of just 50% of shareholders' return, was strong brands increased by 226% between 2006 in 2018. And I just think that this number is bananas. Um, and yeah, it's really uh, showcase how branding can have an impact on the ROI of a business. So just real quick, what is the branding structure so that we can um, discuss that a little bit more deeply later on? I have this garden analogy because I think it works really well for, uh, yeah, what branding is. So first you have your brand foundations. This is really considerate as the soil of your garden. You need to prep it to have a thriving plant in the end. Um, you need to really give it some attention. And your brand foundations are why your business exists and why should people care. So it's going to include your backstory, your why is important to know, uh, your core values as well, and uh, who is the person who represents your audience the best. 
And then you have uh, your brand strategy. So this is how you're going to do things so that they're aligned with your why, your brand foundation. And this is where the seed is going to start to sprout and thrive. Uh, and this includes um, your brand positioning, the solution that you offer to your specific audience, what is their problem and how you offer a solution. Um, and yeah, so this is how you're doing things. And then you have your brand voice and your brand design. This is what you sound like and what you look like. And this is really consider it as uh, the flower and then the fruit that you can harvest. Um, so it includes your keywords, your tagline, your name, but also your color palette, the fonts that you're using and your logo collection. Um, so yeah, here is the branding structure. So you can see it because I think it's uh, relevant. Um, and then now I can move. Okay. And then the brand experience. So yeah, really think of your brand as an experience and um, it's going to come out from all the touch points where your audience comes in con into contact with your business. So yeah, even the coffee shop where uh, you're going to set up a meeting with a client, your interior design of your office, uh, the vehicle, the signage uh, in your offices, all of this is the ecosystem that creates your brand. And to make all these aligned, you need to make sure that your foundation, your strategy, your voice and your design are aligned together. So what is an ethical brand and why you should be one? An ethical brand should not harm public good, instead, it should contribute to or help promote public good. This is a quote from Yin Feng in the Ethical Branding and Corporate Repu Reputation. And I think really it sums up the point pretty clearly. Um, it's not, of course, your business, so profit is important, but it should absolutely promote public good. So what are the characteristics of an ethical brand? Ethical brands should act morally, Consider economic, social, and environmental responsibilities. Have integrity, honesty, accountability, and a commitment to doing the right thing. And create added value for the firm, its customer, and its stakeholder, because you are a business. Um, so all of these are important to consider when you're thinking about, okay, what can I do to become an ethical brand? Um, Maybe you've heard about wokewashing, but at least maybe you haven't heard about wokewashing, but I'm sure you've heard of greenwashing by now. Um, and basically, yeah, wokewashing is to ethics what greenwashing is to sustainability. Um, so you have three poles, three pillars in your business. You have your operations, your products, and your marketing. And when all these pillars are made in an ethical way, you can be an ethical brand. It means that your actions are aligned with your values and your communication, and your actions need to be aligned internally as well. It's in the way you're treating your workers, your suppliers, etc., as well as your product. Is it harming anybody or the planet? And your marketing, is it aligned with everything that you're doing in the background? At the simplest, Ethical branding is, is doing what's right. It's really humanizing, it's inclusive, and it's go it goes beyond the product or the service that you're offering. Um, 
So yeah, aligning values, offerings, and corporate action, and creating an holistic system based on ethics. A lot of people have said it, doing good is good for business. And that's really why we want more ethical brands. Um, it's not, I mean, it's, it's, gonna, it's better for you to be an ethical brand first because it's going to do good for the world, but it's also going to make you stand out from all of these competitors or big corporations who are just here for the profit. Uh, businesses have a lot of powers, economical and social, and really they can drive change. And it's good for business because you're going to tell a richer story and you're going to, uh, your audience is going to resonate and engage more. A couple more stats, because I love them. I'm kind of nerdy that way. Um, but 85% says that it's important uh, for them that the companies and brands they buy from behave in a way that they consider ethically sound. And 87% of Americans will purchase a product because its company advocates for an issue that they care about. So really communicating about what you stand behind makes a difference in the perception of your brand. So I want to show you a couple of examples here on uh, how a big brand and a smaller brand uh, are ethical or not. So let's talk about Pepsi. Their mission is to create more smiles with every sip and every bite. Joy is super important for everybody's well-being, so that's great. And then their vision is to be the global leader in convenient foods and uh, in convenient food and beverage by winning with purpose. So their vision is really just very uh, centric on themselves. And then winning with purpose is really vague. What winning what and then which purpose so that's not very uh, it's absolutely unrelated to joys that they have in their mission too and here a little bit so i um yes yeah, separated it with the three pr of a business your marketing your operations and your product so they had in 2018 an ad campaign showcasing a resistant process protest but Really, it looked like a Black Lives Matters protest. And uh, the storyline was this um, model who was at a shoot. And um, she was a white lady, a white young lady. And she saw this process, protest uh, go by and decide to join. And you can see that the protest is a little bit more heated. And uh, she is able to uh, bring back peace by giving a Pepsi can to a police officer where they're, when they're standing in front of each other. And so it, it resonated a lot because it was absolutely inappropriate, inappropriate um, in the conversation around Black Lives Matter. The white lady shouldn't have been there, and it completely uh, shadows the conversation about uh, policing in this movement. And so, yeah, it had a lot of repercussion, and it really showcased that Pepsi didn't understand the um, the, the the movement, the political movement that they were using for their profit. Then, in their operation. In 2020, uh, when the Black Lives Matter movement uh, 
reburst in June, they uh, did something that I think is great. Uh, they committed to hire 50% of women and 10% of Black Americans in managerial position. And where they uh, follow through is that they disclose publicly their progress every six months on their website. Sorry. So they're really making progress and they really understood the problem here. And then, well, their product, we know that it's a soda, there's caffeine, there's sugar. Um, so we don't need to extend on it, but see how you can analyze uh, what a brand does and does it make it ethical or not. And then we have a small brand, Tonley, which is a zero waste fashion brand in the Bay Area in California. Their mission is to, uh, their mission, fashion can and should feel good, look good, and do good at the same time. And their vision, uh, it, is to, it is about creating a purposeful future for fashion, one that is restorative, regenerative, and just. So, that, so here we can really see that they have, um, they're taking their industry, the fashion industry, and really wanting to do something good with it and really change the way fashion is doing things. Um, so already it's anchored at their core as a brand and as a business. And then in terms of marketing, um, they show a lot of different body types uh, and gender. They're very inclusive. And they're also super transparent on um, communicating where they are and what they're learning and uh, what they're going to do better in the future in terms of marketing and in terms of operation. In their operation, uh, they partner, they partner, their partners uh, are partners instead of suppliers and manufacturers. So they're really shifting the way uh, fashion companies operate, meaning that uh, we have a marketing company like H&M or Zara, and then you have the manufacturers and the suppliers who are just being told what to do. Tonle is really uh, merging these two. So the suppliers and the manufacturers have a say and they're participating in the, um, in the making of the clothes because they have the knowledge on how to make it zero waste, etc. Uh, everybody uh, has fair wages and benefits and they have training opportunities. And then their product, well, it's zero waste. Uh, they're using handmade, handmade and, and traditional techniques, uh, natural dyes and eco-friendly packaging, and they're doing much more. But we can see that um, they have really a very strong mission, a very strong vision. And they, everything is backed up in how they're doing things. Um, so we can see that, yeah, they, from the core, they are doing things ethically and, uh, and doing what's right. And when they can't, they are communicating about it, which makes a big difference. So now we're going to dive into a few actionable tips. Uh, you see some I already mentioned in the example, but we're going to dive a little deeper. So bring your business into harmony. And what I mean by that, kind of what 
like I was saying with Stanley, it's really getting clear on your business foundations on incorporating these values and these uh, cause that you want to support within your the core of your business. So in your mission, in your vision, and in your values. And ensure that your operation, your offering, and your marketing aligned with these foundations. And then also your business goals and how you can uh, apply all of this to them. Revamp your messaging. Uh, use appropriate and inclusive terms are being uh, way more accessible these days and people are sensitive to it and uh, it, it's fair to use them. So look at your messaging and see what you can improve there and double check that you're not perpetrating uh, stereotypes with regard to gender, race, sexual orientation and abilities. In your imagery, it's going to be the same thing uh, when you're using photos and showing families, uh, make sure that you're showing a diversity of race, body types, abilities, sexual orientation uh, and age too. Make sure to only use images that you paid for or are licensed as free to use for commercial use and credit their author when you need. Um, this is part of being ethical. You need to respect other people's work and uh, artists' work. Uh, and learn about accessibility uh, in the digital world. So uh, use alternative text and image description for uh, image readers, make sure that your colors are contrasting. There's tools online now to check if your colors um, are okay for um, color blindness and for uh, legibility, which is super important, and they're free. Cultural appropriation is a big issue uh, in the marketing world. So if you're going to use anything that is originated from a non-dominant culture, uh, you should absolutely learn everything you can from this culture and uh, from the people who are in it. Consult with someone from this culture to make sure that you understand what you are using, what it means, and how to use it appropriately, and to see and make sure that they give you permission to do so. And uh, device, diversify your news source and your feed. This is really one of the most important things that you can do to... Um, because we all have blind spots, uh, especially when it comes to culture. So diversifying your feed is going to help you realize that you have some and how to uh, er eradicate them possibly. And then be transparent. So should show the data to back up your ethical and eco-friendly claims. This is super important because uh, you could be accused of greenwashing or wokewashing if you're not able to disclose this data. Uh, but also, it's okay, nobody is perfect, and nobody is doing everything perfectly in this world, in this field. It's really hard, there's a lot to think about, and we have a lot of things to do as business owners. So share about where you are right now, and what you could improve on, and what you're going to do next to go in that direction. That really shows that you care and it makes you a little bit accountable so that you know that you know exactly what to do next to get there. Uh, and then consider brand activism. Um, 
how can you contribute to a better world apart from selling your product, but within your business? Get involved maybe in charitable activism, partner with other ethical and uplifting brands, contribute to charities that have a social impact, locally or worldwide, um, and depending on what fits better with your brand. And it doesn't have to be... Uh, economical investment, it can be resources, it can be time, it can be uh, spreading the word. So yeah, think about all of this and how you can have an impact outside of your product and your service. All right, do you have any questions for me? Hi, yes. Oh, wow, that was such a fantastic presentation. Thank you again. And in fact, we did have a few com uh, questions come through uh, Instagram, for example. Yeah. So uh, they kind of cover a whole bunch of different topics. So we'll get right into it. Uh, one on a personal note, what made you want to specialize in ethical branding? Well, because like I said at, at the beginning, I really believe that uh, design and branding has an impact on people, the communities, and the planet. And I also really think that uh, businesses hold a lot of power. So um, I think it's a way to change the world because I can do, you know, like I can go zero waste or plastic free as an individual, but it's not going to change uh, the industries that are polluting uh, the world. So I really want to be able to with the skills that I have in design and in strategy, uh, lift up the brands and the businesses that are doing good and changing the world. That's so great. I, it's always a shame, but beautiful stories when you hear about people who got into what they did because of like, they know that they can do better uh, with as they have. So we're so glad that you're doing the good work. <laughs> Um, okay, great. So another question that we had is, how can you communicate your ethical operations in your branding? Yeah, that, what would be your best tips for that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, uh, so a lot of uh, businesses have a page on their website, where they explain uh, how they operate from the inside. So who are their workers? What, uh, what do they get in terms of benefits in terms of pay? Uh, how do they work with their suppliers? How do they work? Um, even, for example, um, if you're using renewable energy to, for your offices, things like this. What are you doing internally to be more sustainable and to be more ethical? And uh, yeah, having a page on your website, having, um, uh, what's the word? Um, a report also that you can have annually on what resources you're using. And then you can talk, and then you can spread this information on your marketing channels. Fantastic. Um, actually, two kind of follow-up questions to that mm -hmm. on a, in a similar vein. Um, something that we've noticed um, through Mindful Commerce is that sometimes smaller companies or companies that are still growing and are getting their feet on the ground, they get nervous about, you know, being honest that they are interested in sustainability and ethical business, but that they aren't even sure how when they can expand, you know, what, what is within their capability since they are a smaller brand, uh, what would be your reassurance or your advice for brands who find themselves in those kinds of situations? Yeah, it's, 
I mean, it's really hard. It's more expensive, but the return on investment is also very interesting because uh, you get a more engaged audience and you really have something to with substance to share. Um, but I completely understand it, it. It demands a lot of resources and not only financial because it's something in addition to think about when you're running a business. But there's a few things that you can do. First, you can say, hey, like I was saying, um, about transparency, we're not as sustainable as we would like for right now, but uh, we think that when we hit these goals of uh, time management or uh, profit or number of employees, whatever makes sense for this business, um, we are going to be able to allocate that much resource to this specific cause. Um, disclosing something like that may showcase that you care, but then when you get at the date or when you get at the resource, uh, you should absolutely do it because otherwise that's going to be a trust issue if you're not um, doing the thing that you said you were going to do, um, if people remember. But people look online, so... Yeah, uh, so yeah, you can do that or you can just um, allocate a certain amount to a regenerative cause. Uh, what I do, for example, well, I'm part from 1% for the planet, but there's other ways to allocate a little bit of your financial resource to um, a cause. For example, I also, um, oh, I'm, I'm losing my words. Um, the, my operations have a carbon footprint and so uh, I calculate that and I give the amount to um, regenerative project. And I'm doing this through a company that's called Cool Effects uh, because I trust them and I trust that the money is actually going to the project I chose. Um, so yeah, that's, that can be a solution too. Definitely great. We'll definitely have to put that in the link in a comment in the future, because I'm sure a lot of uh, people will be interested. So thank you for sharing. And the other follow up that I had was when you were talking about operations, it reminded me of your example with that Pepsi ad. And I definitely remember when that came out. I yeah. think it was one of the Kardashian sisters, like Kendall oh, yeah. or something. Yeah. And um I, it always boggled my mind, especially with a brand as big as Pepsi, you know, you'd imagine all the steps that that advertisement had to go through and no one along the way saw a problem. And I guess my question for you is, um, if you had like an omnipresent kind of power to go back into that, what would have been the steps along the way that you would have felt like it would have been clear enough or what would you have advised the team in Pepsi, the marketing team? to let them understand or how can other brands, for example, who want to have some sort of a diverse or an empowering message, but the intention is there, but the execution is not up to par. How would you navigate that kind of a situation? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> and especially in this specific example, um, I would, well, first, why Black Lives Matter? Like, why did they want to insert themselves in this discussion? Um, and yeah, why, like, I understand that they want to showcase diversity, but then they're using someone who is white. So you, I don't, I'm not sure. How, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how to answer. I think that, um, we have a lot to learn and we have a lot of cognitive bias. And I think 
that, that's something that I talk a lot about actually on my website and on Instagram that um, that makes us stuck in our own ways. And so having trainings on what uh, bias is on our racial bias, gender bias, uh, sexual orientation biases is super important to understand that things that seem absolutely um, heartless, hurtless, or, um, not harmful, can actually be terrible for other groups of people. And um, that's why having a, a diverse team also helps in these cases, because someone is going to say, hey, this is really wrong, and we should think about this uh, creative direction way early. Um, yeah, Definitely. So I mean, I, I, I was curious to know your answer because I also was really uh, curious since it, since it is a difficult question, but I definitely agree because unfortunately, sometimes people learn the hard way after accidentally hurting someone else. So I agree that maybe in these kinds of cases, it is better to have a preventative measure like mm -hmm. training so that people can prevent it even before it happens and before potential harm is caused. So yeah. I definitely think, uh, I thank you for uh, connecting the thoughts that I had in my mind that I put <laughs> together, you definitely obviously know the best. And but, I think um, yeah. making yes, mistakes happen. Everybody makes mistakes. They're like, it's normal. But then what are you doing now that you know that the mistake is done? Uh, how are you responding to it? And then the fact that they are uh, really working in their managerial team to include, to have a more diverse team and being accountable about it i think that's really good that's going in the right direction but then um how is their product affecting women and uh, black americans for example would be a good question um you know so is it enough i don't know i'm not Definitely. sure but there was this one advertisement where like a makeup brand was trying to show foundation on a bunch of different colored skin tones. And then in the end, it was obvious that they photoshopped one of the hands to look like an African-American hand uh -huh. because they made the palm way too dark, realizing that not real hands look like that. And in the end, it ended up making the African-American community or the, the, the BIPOC community feel even more isolated because they're like, you can't even Photoshop our hands properly. Yeah. Um, so that's very, that's very true. So um, the last two questions. On a much less serious note, I guess, is um, how do you add, like, what kind of uh, media uh, do you add alt text to? And also, what are any specific colors or color schemes that are maybe perhaps more ethical, uh, in your opinion, if there are any? Yeah, uh, so alt text, you can do this in, uh, well, I can only talk for about Instagram as a social media because this is the only one that I use right now, but you can add alt text on Instagram uh, when you're posting to it. And you can also just add uh, an image description at the bottom of your post in your caption or in the first comment um, that is gonna be really descriptive and useful for uh, people with sight disabilities to understand what you're, what you're posting. Um, and on your website, you can also, uh, when you're uploading a photo, um, you can add metadata and image descriptions. And for people who have a screen readers, this is what the screen, that the reader is gonna read out loud. So um, having, yeah, a very detailed description is super useful. And even for, not even just for people with sight disabilities, if your loading time is too long, 
maybe the image is not going to load, but the description is going to appear there. Uh, for contrast, well, the highest contrast, which is the most legible, is a white background with dark text. So uh, then the, the, the higher, the lighter the color in the background and the darker the text is going to be, the more leg legible it's going to be. You have uh, one tool, I'm going to, uh, maybe I can do that, I can put the link. Um, no, Chrome doesn't want to come. But Adobe, um, Adobe Color has a contrast analyzer tool, which is free. You don't have to have an Adobe account. Um, and tells you you can input your Xcodes for your background and for your, uh, for your text. And they're going to tell you it's OK for big text. It's OK for, for like titles. It's OK for body. Is it OK for graphic components? Oh, that's so fantastic. I think it's also, I learned that um, all, all capitals for body text is also not as legible because humans read in shapes. Mm -hmm. And when everything's in all caps, it all blurs together. And even that was so interesting to me. And yeah. um, by changing it, it makes the uh, text more accessible to people. So that's, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm sure our community is not only grateful for your time, your expertise, your tips, but even tools, and we'll make sure to share this uh, Adobe tool with everyone. But, and uh, um, we uh, are so grateful to have you and to have this opportunity. So thank you again, really. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for giving me the time and the space uh, to share about this, because I'm really passionate about it. And I really appreciate also everything that you're doing in the community, because you're training people to do better. And that's really awesome. And I'm grateful to be part of it. Well, we couldn't do it without community members like you. And for everyone watching, make sure to check out um, the Spark and Bloom uh, profile in our directory, of course, because she is one of the top listed. You'll find them in the first row, Spark and Bloom. So you can find out more about uh, the design studio and go check out their website and their portfolio of all the amazing work that uh, Jean does at Spark and Bloom. And uh, with that, uh, that is the end of it. But that was such a fantastic live training. Thank you again for everyone. And we'll see you uh, in two weeks for the next one. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you did, you'll probably like being in our community. There's a whole host of exciting things going on. So don't forget to join by going to mindfulcommerce.io. Click on community and register from there. If you like this episode, please share, leave a review and remember to subscribe.